You're listening to Elk Point Baptist Church. Subscribe to our podcast to hear every sermon and like us on Facebook by searching Elk Point Baptist Church, located in Elk Point, South Dakota. For uh, those who may be curious about the offering, if you have your Bibles this morning, please turn to the book of Genesis, chapter number 6. The book of Genesis, chapter number 6. Did you know that this morning we are living in the last days? Now, that the Lord could return at any moment. Before we conclude this service today, the Lord could return. Now, to be very distinct, the last days technically began during the days of the Apostle Paul. However, we have very good reason to believe that we're living in the last days and the last of the last days, if you will. Now, while Jesus said in Matthew 25, 13, ye know neither the day nor the hour wherein the Son of Man cometh, he also said, watch, watch, because he's telling us in that to watch, which means to be prepared. And I guess my question for you this morning is, are you prepared for the coming of the Lord? Are you prepared for eternity? Now this morning, we're going to try to look at a man that is famous for being prepared for the end, prepared for judgment. And as we go all the way back here to the book of Genesis chapter 6, to a man that will be familiar to most, a man by the name of Noah, what we're going to find out is we're going to look at a man that though we're going all the way back to the flood and all the way back to Noah, we are going to see a man who was prepared. And I believe that we can learn some lessons today about a man that was ready. And I believe that the, we can take away the lessons so that today you and I can be ready for the revelation. Ready for the revelation. The Bible says uh, that the Lord Jesus is coming again, His appearing, His soon coming. And in the book of Revelation is when the Bible tells us about that. I want to be very clear on this as well. Though I will mention and allude to some of the things that are going on today, I say this every time since we've started into 2020 that I preach about the return of the Lord and the end times and so forth. I didn't all of a sudden think, oh no, it's the end times. We better start preaching and teaching. Folks, I've been preaching about this since I've been preaching for the last 25 years. <laughs> because you know why? The Lord could have come again any of those days. However, He does have a day appointed that no man knows, but He does know. But the point is, is that when we talk about signs of the times and so forth, there is no doubt that much of what the would take place has already taken place and continues to take place in the world today. Uh, I'll say this, I often say this in regards to the coming of the Lord, many of the signs of the times that we are seeing fulfilled in the news just right before us today that's fulfilling what God said would happen. By the way, did you know that all the Bible is? The Bible is a book of prophecy, number one. Number two, what prophecy is, is history written in advance. And we can find so much about what God said would happen has happened. And I'll not go into all of those today, but the point that I would like to make is, is that God said it would happen, and much of the things that are happening have more to do with the Lord actually coming and setting up His kingdom on this earth. 
But seven years before he does that, there's going to be a time that he calls the church away. And we're going to see all these things, believe it or not, here in the book of Genesis. Uh, I'm not going to be able to dig into everything there is to be said here, but I do want to try to show how that you can be prepared. You can be prepared. You can be ready for revelation. Let's consider for a moment this man by the name of Noah as you are there in Genesis 6. I'd like to read these verses out of the New Testament where Jesus said, But as the days of Noah were, so will also be the coming of the Son of Man. For as in the days before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and given in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark, and did not know until the flood came and took them all away, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. Jesus said that in Matthew 24. Jesus said that in Matthew 17. The, the reason we're going back to Genesis 6 is he said, as it was in Genesis 6 and 5, in the days of Noah, so shall it be when I return again. And so let's look, please, in Genesis 6. And I want to begin reading in verse number 5. The Bible says, And God saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he had made man on the earth, and it grieved him at his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast and creeping thing, and the fowls of the air, for it repenteth me that I have made them. But notice this great bright spot here in verse number 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord, as it was in the days of Noah. Some of the things it tells us about the days of Noah is that it was a time of sin. It was a time of great violence, great violence uh, in the days of Noah. Great lasciviousness, which is to say unbridled lust, and lust just totally out of control. It was a day, no doubt, much like today, to where they were calling evil good and were calling good evil. It was a time, uh, it was a dangerous time there in the days of Noah. But interestingly enough, it was also a time of despondency. When the Bible says they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage, I believe part of the, the point of that is simply that they didn't really care. They didn't really take into account that judgment was looming, that the clouds of judgment were looming on the horizon, that the dam uh, of God's mercy was about to give way to God's wrath. They just kept on living like nothing was happening, like nothing really mattered. I'll tell you one thing, they were not ready. They were not prepared. See, we live in a world today as part of a human race which is not at all different from the one that Noah lived in. When we open our eyes and look around, we see a world of sin, of immorality, of deceit, of crime, bloodshed, rottenness and rebellion, and godlessness of every kind. Words fail us to adequately describe it all, 
The need which brought uh, God to speak to Noah about the coming flood is a need that we see in our world today. And I just want to say today, I, I, I can't get this out of my mind when the Bible talks about the, that every imagination of, of man's heart was on evil, it was only evil continually. And I can't help but when I think about the lasciviousness and the, uh, the promiscuity of our day going back to the, the, the gross perversion that exists in our world today. Uh, the act, you know, and I'm not going to say a lot about it, but I tell you, it, play, it comes into place. Uh, because, folks, the, the level of uh, pornography that is, uh, it's an, ap it's an ap absolute epidemic in this world today. If you went by statistics, there would be, if you went by statistics, I mean, uh, th the numbers are startling of the people that not only just view it, but are addicted to it, like 50%. You know, we, we talked about this on Wednesday, but the average age that a, that a person sees pornography for the first time these days is eight years old. And it goes on and on. But it's interesting. You say, well, man, why would you bring up pornography in relation to the last days or even in church at all? Because for one thing, it's a real problem. And there's, very, there's a very good possibility that there's people in here today that struggle with this very issue. And this would not be a time to pounce on you whatsoever. This would be a time to uh, encourage you to try to get some help in regards to that, to admit it, to try to get some help, uh, to at least start by admitting that it's wrong and it's perverse, and then begin by getting some help with that. But the point is, as you'll find the word that we get our word pornography from, porneo, you'll find that word some 24 times in the Bible. Uh, and it's interesting because it warned in the book of Revelation, it said that one of the, the, the marks would be uh, of this porneo, but the word is translated in the Bible as witchcraft. In the book of Revelation, that would be a mark of the last days. You know why? Because I'm telling you, Satan is all in this stuff. God, he, he took something that God created, the intimacy that's to be between a man and a woman. Uh, it, it, it's, it was meant to be between a man and a woman, Yes, for procreation, so that we could be fruitful and multiply uh, and so forth. But I'm telling you, it was also meant for pleasure. I mean, God created, He did not create intimacy between a man and a woman to be exciting and feel great uh, for, for no reason. He created it in the, in the bonds of marriage, not outside of marriage, not extramarital, but in the bonds of marriage for that to be something to be enjoyed greatly between a man and and a woman but the devil has perverted something and if you look in our world today i believe it's the same thing that satan was doing in the days of noah trying to pervert that which god had made right and good that which god has made right and good now uh and, and there's an interesting point i've got to say here in regards to the last days and this is going to be a different type of message for me because i'm i'm trying to cover kind of a broad uh, spectrum and then bring it down narrow here at the end but I want to say that there's an interesting point in the New Testament that Paul warns again and again about. Another mark of the last days is a great falling away of the church and of those who claim to be Christians. Uh, in other words, it's interesting. The Bible says how that in the last days that men will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. In other words, the, the, the society has gone so far to the point that man is turning Christianity into a palatable religion for rebel hearts. I'll say that again. 
It's reached the point, as prophesied in the Bible, that man is trying to turn Christianity into a palatable religion for rebel hearts as foretold in 2 Timothy chapter number 3, which is just simply to say welcoming and encouraging and almost applauding out and out sin. Now here's the problem with that. It's senseless, because let's put it into perspective for a moment. It's senseless to compromise, to not give the truth of what God said. The Bible says that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. I'll refer to again in just a moment. But it's senseless not to give God's message. Now imagine this with me for a moment. Imagine Noah saying, Wow, if I preach that judgment is coming, people may get offended and not get into the ark. If I preach that God's going to send a flood, what if that upsets people and they don't come? Now, I'm, well, I'm giving you that point because that's kind of a senseless point. Well, wait a second, Noah. What are they trying to get saved from? But he says, you know, I don't want to preach judgment. I don't want to preach what thus saith the Lord because they might not come hear me preach. I need to get the people here. He could have got a great crowd. But folks, the problem is this. People would have still, no matter how many people may have said, you know what, Noah's a pretty good dude. I think we'll go listen to him preach. And then him not give people the truth. It's senseless because, yeah, maybe they've got a palatable religion. Maybe they can feel good about themselves when they left the service. But the problem is that when the judgment fell, they would not have a way of salvation. It's senseless. And I would say this, compromise. I'm talking about compromise today. Compromise is senseless. Compromising the truth of God's Word. You're looking at a preacher up here today that is okay with compromising tradition. And I've got, and, 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 and much to the chagrin of some of my fellow brothers in the ministry, I'm okay with compromising tradition. But I'm not okay with compromising. I don't have the authority to compromise God's Word. I would be a fool to compromise God's Word. I cannot come and say, well, the Bible says this, but shucks. People don't like that, so I better change it. I mean, I wonder what kind of trouble a mailman would get into, DJ, if he were to, if he were to say, if he were to be delivering mail from the federal government and say, man, they're going to be so upset to get this, from the, uh, this thing from the IRS. I think instead, I think I'm just going to write on here, instead of saying to them, you're getting audited, and we're pretty sure you owe a ton of money, I think I'm just going to write on here, you get a refund. Yes, he would be everybody's favorite mailman. Until the authority came and showed up, and you didn't have your stuff in order, and all of a sudden you're in a mess. All right? He's such a nice mailman. Is he really? I like our mailman. He only just gives... What if, what if they just threw all the bad stuff out? This looks like a card from Grandma with, you know, a check for $2 in it. I'll give that to, to him, you know. Uh, but I'll throw the other stuff out. The mailman doesn't have authority to do that. And I'm telling you, as God's preacher, as God's Christians, we're, we're God's mailmen. We just deliver what thus saith the Word of God. People don't like it. You know our little nice mailman around here? I don't know his name. I ought to know it. He's the nicest guy. I can't imagine you getting, getting mad at that fella. He's the, the nicest fella you'd ever want to meet. I have never once went and chased him down in that little red Ford of his and said, you wait just a second here, buddy. 
What do you, where do you give off giving this to me? Never once. You know why? Because all he is doing is just delivering the mail. And all Noah was trying to do is deliver the mail, deliver the message that God has. Uh, I'm not even in my notes, amen, but I'll get back here. But I'm saying that to change the message, folks, is senseless, but also it's heartless. See, this type of message, if Noah would have preached it, would have not saved the people from certain destruction. If Noah would have gone out and said, man, God's telling me to preach the flood, about flood and judgment coming, but I think I'm going to go out and do a survey and find out what people would like to hear, therefore I can construct my messages accordingly. Now believe me, I'm okay if somebody says, preacher, I'd like to hear a message on the home or prophecy. I'm okay understand saying, okay, man, that'd be, that'd be great. I'm glad you want to learn about that. I want to teach it. But what I'm talking about is people who do not want to hear the truth and they're not willing to hear the truth. They just want to hear what they want to hear. It's senseless and it really is heartless. It really is heartless. It is not heartless to tell somebody the truth. I mean, you may feel like your doctor is heartless when he says, listen, things aren't looking good. And the prognosis is not very good. But here, we've addressed the problem, and now we're going to start doing what we can to address that problem. Now, the doctor may not seem very loving at that point, but you've got no better friend than that at that point. Is that not right? Maybe, we want, maybe it'd be nice if the doctor would say, man, they, they've only got a short time to live, but I don't want to see their face when I tell them. So I think I'm going to go tell them, you're fine, you're good. Yeah, just keep on doing like you're doing. I've got such a great doctor. I think, I think I'm going to pay a little bit extra on my doctor bill this time. You know? He's not a good doctor. Don't believe that lie. He's not. Uh, you know, and so uh, I'm saying all that to say that to not give the Word of God, folks, is um, senseless and it's heartless. All right. Now, as we consider back here in the book of Genesis, uh, that the famous, or depending on how you look at it, the infamous uh, account of the flood, I would love to preach about some, some of the scientific uh, validity for the flood, uh, the Grand Canyon being one of them, and you look at the, the stratus layers and so forth there, uh, tectonics and all that. I'm not getting to the scientific side, but I encourage you to do so, all right? And we'll do that on another day probably. Uh, but I do just want to say that for a lot of people, you know, we think of Noah and the flood, it's like it just, the, the images fill kids' Sunday school classes and books, Christian art, the depiction are always the same. A bunch of cute zoo animals on a boat, captained by a jolly old man with a big white beard, the sun shining overhead, clouds puffier than cotton candy. And if you had no backstory, you might think that Noah loaded up some exotic animals on a tour of the Atlantic Ocean. If you didn't have a backstory. But now, on the other hand, did you know the flood is a great point of emphasis for some atheists and agnostics? And they use this as a strike against God. They think that the flood is an ancient recounting of an angry God who arbitrarily hates people. A God who, uh, th th who assumed that the God of the Old Testament is like a petulant child with a magnifying glass scorching us like ants out of sheer maniacal pleasure. 
They just imagine this mean God in heaven, and that's what they try to present. Is that the God? And uh, I, I do got to say this. Uh, I, I remember hearing about an atheist that was converted because he was so angry at God, and then finally... Uh, uh, one of his students asked him the question. He was a professor. He said, if you're so, he said, if God's not real, why are you so angry at him? Why are you so angry at him? Uh, but, but they're angry at God. But I want to say this. Both positions are wrong. The truth has a great deal of relevance in the day and age in which we live. Now, I want to highlight a couple more things that are broader before I try to narrow the scope. Number one, Prophetically speaking, a couple weeks ago, we looked at the man by the name of Enoch because we, he also lived during the days of Noah, uh, leading up to the, 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 to the flood. But the thing about Enoch that was interesting, of course, Enoch, prophetically speaking, by the way, I, I got this right. I was trying to get it the other week, and I couldn't. Here's a kind of a good riddle for you. The man Methuselah, remember that name. He's going to tie into the message just here in a moment. The man Methuselah is the oldest man in the Bible. But the, the oldest man in the Bible, figure this out, the oldest man in the Bible died before his father died. The oldest man in the Bible died before his father died. Now that's just a fun little riddle, but the reason why is that Methuselah's daddy was Enoch. And what the Bible tells us about Enoch is Enoch walked with God. Enoch lived for God. And we talked about, we preached the whole message of Enoch just a couple weeks ago, so I won't do that again. But as Enoch walked with God, the Bible says God took him. So the reason the oldest man in the Bible died before his father died is because Enoch didn't die technically. The Lord just said, you're going right now. You could argue it was that death. Okay, we could argue that. But I'm saying he was raptured. He was taken. But now, in a prophetic picture, I want you to get the image. So before the judgment came, Enoch was raptured out. After Enoch was raptured out, we see not long after that, the flood came. See, the flood came as a judgment on, on this earth. Noah and his family got on the ark and survived through that time of judgment. So if, as far as a prophetic picture goes, Enoch would be a picture and a type of the church today living in the last days. But before the seven-year tribulation comes, we'll be raptured out. And then Israel is pictured in Noah and his family, the Jewish people, because they're going to go into judgment, but they're going to come through the judgment. So as far as a prophetic picture goes. Now, just kind of a little point, just a bullet point moving on. I want to say something else about the flood that's very, very important as agnostics and atheists would, would, would cite this cruel God of the Old Testament, why would God bring this judgment on the earth? By the way, we would, not, would, would you say that today if the, the, the gross number of child molesters and sex traffickers and uh, these people that are uh, kidnapping, I mean, I think there's some six million slaves, I think there's million child slaves today. There's kids being trafficked, uh, not only for um, perverted reasons, I'll try to be careful my terminology in a mixed crowd, but not only for pervert, perverted reasons in that way, but then some of them are even uh, taken for, uh, for organ harvesting as well. Now, how would you feel today if the full measure of judgment came down on those people? Probably not very merciful. We want that, don't we? 
And by the way, can I just say something here? We live in a day when they call good evil and evil good. Isn't it amazing that it, is, it, has, been, it has been made plainly and clearly aware that, that, that many wealthy and uh, prominent and elite people in our country have been involved in this perversion, and there's utter media silence about it. It matters more from some stupid thing that happened in the political realm when there's actually children being harmed and abused and sold brutally. We live in a messed up world, folks. Um, so, but my, here's my point. It was a wicked time. There was wickedness. There was violence. There was those types of things going on during the days of Noah. But I want to say this, not only about the judgment of God, but I mentioned Methuselah just a moment ago. The flood illustrates the grace of God. Anytime God judges, it illustrates the grace of God. For one reason, we, we spoke about Methuselah. I said, remember his name. If you're going to have a baby boy, you should name him Methuselah. You don't really have to, all right? But, but, but no, but Methuselah's name meant upon his death it will come. So what, God, God gave Methuselah a name that said when he dies, judgment's coming. That was Methuselah's name. Now, so when he died, can you imagine Enoch? <laughs> I said this the other week, but just bear with me. It's a humorous thought to me. Can you imagine every time Enoch had a, or that Methuselah got a fever and got sick? Enoch thought, oh my goodness, is he going to make it? Because <laughs> if he dies now, it's going to come. I mean, I bet as a child they were watching him like a hawk. I hope he doesn't kill over. We've got to keep him safe. All right. Sorry, some of you get the humor. And some of you are like, yeah, I get it. It's just not funny, okay? But it's funny to me. But I'll tell you what's not funny. I'll tell you something that's glorious. Methuselah didn't get a fever and die. Methuselah didn't fall and die. Methuselah, he may have, but if he did, he, he was 969 years old when he did it. 969 years old. By the way, the climate before the flood, again, was different than it is today. Lizards grew a lot larger, other animals as well, plants and so forth. But the, the, the point is this, the oldest man to ever live. Think about that with me just for a moment. For 969 years, there was a man whose name meant, upon his death it will come. For 969 years, there's judgment coming. There's judgment coming. God let this man live longer than anybody. Why? He held off judgment as long as he could. But let me tell you what man did as God held off judgment. They just sinned that much more. They just thumbed their nose that much more in the face of Almighty God. I want you to think about Noah. The Bible says he was a preacher of righteousness in the book of 1st or 2nd Peter. And he preached for 120 years. He preached. Warning people. Can you imagine when those animals begin to come? And by the way, we need to check our math. The clean animals came seven by seven, not two by two. The unclean animals came two by two. The clean animals seven by seven. I don't think Noah was uh, going out on safaris and rounding all these up. He was building the ark. I believe that God brought these animals to him. Probably uh, adolescent animals, uh, more than likely. 
But regardless, what's the people around thinking as these animals begin to come upon the completion of the ark? Is that not telling people something's happening? The point that I'm trying to make is this, that God was giving grace. God was giving people an opportunity. God was infinitely, and I want to say this again, God was infinitely concerned about the unbelieving world. The Bible says in 1 Peter 3.20, which sometime were disobedient, when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is eight souls, were saved by water. I mean, listen, the Bible says those that were disobedient, God, the, the long-suffering of God waited. Oh, my friend, listen, but, but what happened? They did not believe. They, they were given opportunity, but they did not believe. It reminds me so much of people today. They want to fuss and they want to complain about a God that would send anyone to a place called hell. Really? Listen, there is a place called hell. Jesus said that it was created for the devil and his angels. The Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish. In fact, God went so far as to give His only begotten Son. And if you go to hell, you're going to have to walk over His only begotten Son to do so. All the time. Here's people. The cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. I mean, just imagine Jesus being on this old rugged cross. And people coming and saying, I can't believe hell. I mean, in order to go to hell, people are going to have to push this cross, kick this cross, spit on this cross. And this cross is just a piece of wood. But I'm talking about the Son of God. I'm talking about the Son of Almighty God, trampling Him underfoot all the while, talking about how God is so unmerciful and mean. Really? He gave His Son for you? He bore... Oh, listen to this. This is so important. I can't believe God sat down and killed all those people at the flood because of their awful sins. That's not, why, that's not why the people died in the flood. You listen to me. They did not die in the flood because they were child uh, abusers and murderers and violent and whatever else you want to say, drunken and everything else. That's not why they died in the flood. Yes, that's why God was sending the judgment, but I'm going to tell you the reason they died because they refused to repent and believe. Oh, if God wanted just to kill these people, He could have struck them dead. He did not strike them dead. He was long-suffering. He waited, the Bible says. He did everything He could. Oh, God's, God's going to send me to hell because of this sin or that sin. No, 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 no. You, you may go to hell because we all have to answer and our sins have to be accounted and paid for. That's why Jesus went to the cross. But the reason you're going to go to hell is because you refuse, to you, you refuse to believe. You refuse to turn and believe. That's why people go to hell. It's the sin of unbelief. That's so important to understand. See, and, and, and as we get up to the, the main point that I want to try to make in closing today is this. That how that the Lord Jesus Christ reflects the way of salvation, the ark that God gave in during Noah's flood. Again, we consider the way people were. 
People, you know, it's like people today, people that while Jesus, it's not that people are ignorant for Jesus, please of repentance, but it's that instead they choose the trivial pleasures of life. God, listen, God's people, there's some lessons in uh, this for us as well. Because Noah preached that the judgment was coming, but let me tell you something. According to the Bible, he lived like it was coming. He said God was real. He said the Word of God was real. He said he believed the Word of God, and he lived like it was. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, he believed, he had faith, therefore what did he do? The Bible says he moved. He moved. See, Enoch taught us how we should walk in the last days. Noah teaches us how we should work in the last days. So much preaching that I, I won't get to, but I want to say that Jesus is reflected. People, we've got, to, we've got to be careful about getting hung up on the trivial pleasures of life. There's a willful ignorance. But listen, willful ignorance will not deter the worldwide judgment that would consume them during the flood and that is coming in, our, in, in the days to come. Oh, my friend, the rebellion of the unbelieving masses will incur the same result as in the days of Noah. Except the Bible says he would not destroy the earth again with water, but the Bible says when he returns, he's coming with a flaming fire of vengeance. Not water, but fire. Oh, my friend, listen. The Bible says in Genesis 6, verse number 3, we didn't read this verse, but if you're still there, God said this, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he is, he is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. That's how much warning God gave. You ever watch the old westerns or something, and somebody says, I'm going to give you to the count of three to get out of here? God says, I'm going to give you the count of 120. I've told you 969, okay, but now it's winding on down 120 years. So for 120 years, people are fussing about God being unmerciful while he's building a boat that they could get on if they would just believe. I just, I just, I just get hung up on that. Uh, I, I get hung up on that a little bit. But here's the thing. My spirit will not always strive with man. But here's the good news. In the midst of this darkness, in the midst of this perversion, God did just not, he didn't just rain judgment down out of heaven, he rained grace down out of heaven first. He brought light into the darkness. <laughs> and I'm telling you, folks, when Jesus was born, the Bible says in the book of Isaiah how that he would be a light to the Gentiles. Amen. I mean, God did not come to a world that was loving him, that was worshiping him, that was trying to honor him. Folks, he came to a dark world. And I'm glad the, the message of the good news and the love of Christ still goes out to a sinful world today. Hey, I'm glad there's still grace, and I'm still glad that grace can reach to the gutter. God's grace can reach to the cathedral, but it can reach to the gutter as well. My friend, I'm not, I'm not so concerned with fighting a lot of these people in my flesh, I may be, but I'm more concerned with winning them to Christ, amen, because they can be saved by the grace of Almighty God. Oh, my friend, listen, God's grace, he has sent light into this world. There's a creator that said, I'm trying to give you an opportunity. I'm trying to give you a chance. 
And so just as Noah was proclaimed a message, just as Methuselah's name and life proclaimed a message, the Lord had a plan for Noah that was to build an ark. And folks, I want to say that God has an even better plan, a long-suffering plan, a, a loving plan for man today. But unfortunately, just like in the days of Noah, it is often a laughed-at plan. It's a loving plan, it's a long-suffering plan, but sometimes it's laughed at. Jesus delivers from judgment in a greater way than the ark ever could for Noah and his family. Now, for one thing, there's some interesting things I'll say about the ark as I try to close, and that's this. This wooden ark delivered Noah from physical death, but there's a wooden cross that delivers us from spiritual death. Just as Noah obeyed God by climbing onto a boat to save a few, Jesus obeyed his Father by climbing onto a cross to save whosoever will. There's some other things about the cross or about the ark that are interesting in this story. There was one door in the ark. You know what Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 9? He says, I am the door. I'm the door. If any man comes in, he's going to come through me. Folks, Jesus is the door. What I want to try to encourage, I thought about entitling this message today because this is what I'm closing with, and that's this. Would you get in? The door is open. God opened up the door. There's only one door. But in order to come into that door, you're going to have to turn your back on the direction you're going, perhaps. Change your mind about the sin. Change your mind about this, this man-made religion. And trust Christ. Turn from that. Come into the door. Oh, my friend, uh, listen, salvation that's offered. Just as Noah was saved by the ark, we're saved in a greater way through Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 1, There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. I want you to get in today. See, there's a lot of people today that would be perhaps like some of the ones in the days of Noah. Oh, Noah's crazy. He said it's going to rain. He said it's going to flood and it had never done so before. He's, he says all this, but oh, he's nuts. I can imagine somebody saying, well, you know, I don't think he's all that crazy. In fact, I kind of believe that maybe it will. I kind of believe maybe it will rain. It may, I, I, I believe that. But if they're not getting on the boat, it's not doing them a whole lot of good. How much, how much do you believe if you're not getting in? See, the Bible says the devil believes in God, but it's not doing him any good. I'm asking each of you a personal question today. Have you accepted Christ as your Savior? See, just like the people, the, the people in Noah's day, their sin had grown to a gross level, much like today. You're listening to me today and you think, well, I'm not that bad of a person. And now you may not be by our standards, but I want to make something very clear here. Every one of us was born into sin. The Bible says we were all born sinners. We weren't born good and went bad. We were all born sinners. We started bearing, uh, an apple starts, uh, an apple tree starts bearing apples because it's an apple tree. People start sinning because they're sinners. 
Every one of us are sinners. We're sinners by birth. Pretty soon in our lives as a young person, we became sinners by choice. And we may try to cover that sin. We may try to hide that sin. We may try to justify that sin and say it's okay. But the fact of the matter is, there's only one remedy for, for our sin, and it's the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. He went to the cross. See, the wages of sin is death. There is a price to be paid for your sin. The Bible says, talks about condemnation. Condemned. He that believeth on him is not condemned. Well, preacher, what do I have to do to be condemned? I haven't done anything that bad. What, what, what does it take to be condemned? Listen to me very closely. He that believeth not is condemned already. What must I do? What awful thing would I have to do to actually go to hell? Nothing. Don't do anything whatsoever. Because the Bible says you're condemned already because of your sin. But the good news is that Jesus Christ, here's what he said, John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. See, the ark was the way for them to escape. Jesus is the way. Not church, not religion, not being a good person, but trusting Christ, knowing Him, accepting Him as your Savior. I like what Jesus said in John 6, 37, All that the Father giveth me shall come to me. And listen to me, Him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. How bad are you? See, there's people that hear messages like this and they think, Preacher, I've talked to so many people. You don't know what I've done. God could never forgive me. I've got really good news for you. He said, if you will come to him, he will not cast you out. Glory to God. He died for your sins. He paid for your sins on an old rugged cross. He, went, he came all the way from heaven so that you might be saved. Just think about that this morning. In just a moment, I'm going to invite you to accept Christ as your Savior. I'm going to invite you to come in, so to speak. You think about how far God came all the way from heaven to an old rugged cross, all the way to here in 2020, offering a chance all the way to this church today, all the way perhaps to those that may be watching today. He comes all the way to here. The Bible says, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. He comes this close. This is how close He came. And all you've got to do is be willing to reach out. You've got to be willing to come. He's come this far. Can you make that one step toward Him today? Can you make that one step? He's taken so many toward you. Oh, He's such a mean God. I'm done with that. He's not. He will judge sin. The Bible says in John 5, 24, Verily, verily, Jesus said, I say unto you, He that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. I just want to say something right here. I'm glad I've got eternal security. Hebrews chapter number 11, verse 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah walked with God. Uh, being warned, he worked, he moved. God Almighty has mercy. He has grace. 
Folks, and we're living in a time you say, how do I get ready for revelation? The main way you get ready for revelation is you accept Christ as your Savior. As a child of God, we need to keep on walking, we need to keep on working, but right now the message is more of this. To those that aren't saved, you need to get in. You need to get on board. The invitation. Notice what the Bible says in Genesis chapter number 7, verse number 1. And the Lord said unto Noah, Come. The great word of the gospel, come, thou and all thy house into the ark. For thee have I seen righteous before me in this generation. As we all stand this morning, as Miss Kim comes, you know what God says to you today? Come. Come. Come.